Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Recap. Uh, this is Nick. I'm hanging out here with Jake uh, all the way across the country. We are on FaceTime. Uh, getting back to it here. So I, you guys know, if you've listened to the podcast at all, I work in retail. And the week of Thanksgiving is always a shit show. And I want to thank you guys for bearing with us and giving us a lot of plays over the past couple of weeks while we were taking in the vacation time, enjoying ourselves uh, in quarantine, trying to be as locked down as possible. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and that everybody's happy, healthy, and enjoying the podcast from home. Um, There's a lot that we're going to discuss this week. I think that there's a lot of stuff going on in the industry we can talk about. We're going to dive into some, some... segments let's say but not really like we're just going to kind of talk about some shit so first things first thank you so much to the fueled by hops family and ryan for putting on cheers yens fest we had a blast doing that live even though there were only a couple of people that tuned in and watched it live i know tyler from creekside beer had a fun time and that uh, we got a bunch of feedback from Steve from Hop Nation USA. Uh, go check out both of those guys on Instagram, Facebook, wherever else you can find them, Twitter, Untapped, whatever. I do want to give a shout-out real quick to Tyler and Jen. Uh, we did have them on the post-Cheers Yins Fest episode that will not be airing. Unfortunately, we had some audio issues, some problems with... Uh, <laughs> everything on that episode. So I'm just going to let that one die, unfortunately. Uh, but we are going to have Jen and Tyler back on the podcast at some point. Uh, so look out for that coming up here soon. We're going to get Tyler maybe on FaceTime or, you know, try to get, uh, try to get some more guests in here as we go through Jacob, I'm going to throw it over to you at this point. How are we doing? Yes, sir. Doing well. Um, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Um, as well as uh, we're coming up on the holidays pretty soon here. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to announce this live on the podcast. I will not be making it home for the holidays. You son of a fuck. Um, the, <laughs> the coronavirus pandemic has worsened to a point where they're going to institute another stay-at-home order in the Bay Area in probably another week or so. And uh, unfortunately, that will mean that I will not be traveling for the holidays. Uh, with that said, because I'm going to have probably a week or so off around that time, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to explore a little bit around the area, hopefully get out and support your local businesses. This is the time that they absolutely need it. We're closing down on a virus, uh, on a vaccine, excuse me. And they really need to stick it out until the springtime, early summer, where they can start making a le- legitimate money again once the vaccine is, is fully out and they can have outdoor dining. And, you know, a lot of people made a lot of good strides, I think, in uh, this past summer into the fall even. Um, but if you're thinking about places on the, on the East Coast, um, the Pacific Northwest, the Midwest, a lot of those places... I don't know, might not survive the next handful of months. Um, and I heard some, some people talking on a different podcast that I listened to that 
Um, make every effort that you possibly can to throw money at the places that you love to go to because you don't know how many of them are going to survive. Right, right. And I think that expanding that outside of even just breweries or or craft beer places, stuff like that, like anything that you can support local instead of feeding Jeff Bezos, you know, pocket monster is the way to go at this point. Um, I know we all spend a lot of money around the holidays. Everybody's buying gifts and traveling and going, you know, going out of their way to make somebody's day. Right. So why not look at it from the business side of things and support these small local shops over jumping on Amazon and getting something just cause it's easy. Like, there are plenty of online stores. There's the Toast tab. There's the um, Squarespace you know, or the the Square sites now. Like everybody has an online presence. You should be supporting local. Period. And I think what's what's great about, um, especially now during the pandemic, and and it's sort of been this movement that I think has been going on for a couple of years now, is that you have a lot of local type publications um, or or um, you know social media accounts that are really focused on local type stuff. So you'll have people like Jen, for example, yes. promoting local breweries. You have Cannes Pittsburgh. You have, you know, I, I see a lot of, every time I'm looking for a new restaurant around town here, I'm either going to Instagram and searching, you know, Bay Area blogs or, you know, just Google searching some things and, and scrolling past the TripAdvisor type stuff and, and trying to get into something that somebody locally wrote up uh not that i think the trip advisor maybe that's not a great example because they they have some some local uh people who who generate some of these lists and things but it's so 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 important we've been we've been harping on this for eight months now right especially now with things worsening all around the country and i've made my feelings known off off the podcast about how I feel about people taking advantage of, of, uh, you know, traveling when they shouldn't be and, and all of that type of stuff. Um, I understand it. Everybody wants to see their families. I hope that everybody's staying safe. You know, we're, we're really closing in on, on a vaccine here, hopefully soon that, um, can be distributed and help people kind of get back on their feet when it comes to us, but also, businesses and small businesses right now need your help. So I'm not going to tell you where to go specifically. I'm not, I'm not that well versed in even where I'm living right now. I don't really know exactly. I have my handful of places that I, that I frequent that are all local places and or local chains. Uh, and they'll continue to get my support. Um, but whatever you can do to get out there and spend your money on things that are, are made or, um, you know, distributed by local people do that because it's, it's very important for people that might live right next to you or right down the street. Absolutely. Yeah. The, um, the other thing that I've, that I've seen on social media recently and just in general, I think is the amount of charity going on in the community or in different beer communities, let's say, cause I'm not just talking about, you know, raising money or, you know, doing like beer shares or the, the secret Santa type stuff, that kind of thing. But there's a lot of good being done locally here, but also I've, I've seen a lot of places like glassware groups that I'm a part of and stuff like that, that are doing charity work that you don't necessarily think about 
right now. Like I know giving Tuesday was like a big thing this year. And we talked a little bit about this. I don't know a whole lot about it, but number one, like the, the holiday kicks off. You got, you got the biggest drinking day of the year on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, right? Pennsylvania said, nah, fuck you. We're not doing it. And they shut down bars at 5 PM, right? Then you move into Thanksgiving. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Big, big holiday for travel. Big, big holiday for getting everybody together, seeing all your family, that kind of thing. Not what happened this year, period. I'm the worst. The I am so annoyed by the phrase that things look different this year that it just infuriates me. And then came Black Friday. And again, I work in retail and it was like a normal Black Friday. And I'm like, where the fuck are these people coming from? You know? So obviously people are still trying to be safe. And I say that with finger quotes because nobody's fucking listening to anything that's going on. And it pisses me off. But you have the, so you have Black Friday, right? The big businesses get out of the red. They get back into the black. They're making money for the rest of the year. Then on Saturday, what we're talking about, right? Small business Saturday. Every day of the week for Thanksgiving week is something new, right? Then on Sunday, this is, I, this is the first time I've really heard about this one. I don't know if it's been around for a while, but Small Brewery Sunday was a thing. And again, cool, great, support your local guys. Honestly, do it. It's, it's, they need it. And then there's Cyber Monday, right? We have an entire week devoted to spending money. So Giving Tuesday was something that was kind of cool because I got to see a lot of these people. Like there's a beer group that I'm a part of that raised $20,000 for a uh, childhood cancer research. And there, and there's only 600 people in the group. Like mm-hmm. that's a huge undertaking to make that kind of coin. And, you know, I'm sure not everybody participated, but at the same time, like that's a big number, $20,000 from a beer group, a bunch of guys just chugging beers on, on video. Right. So I got to see firsthand that like the power of community is huge. The other one that I wanted to talk about, and it's still going on. Um, it is ending at 3 PM on December 5th. I'm not going to have this episode up by then that's tomorrow. And we're recording this on Friday night. But so Kevin from dancing gnome, I'm sure if you guys follow the podcast at all, you follow Dancing Gnome. I uh, was involved in a hit and run accident back in the beginning of November, and they've raised over fifteen thousand dollars for him. Like that's huge. That's that's the community coming together for somebody who needs the help, right? That's a that's a some that's someone that you can interact with on a daily basis or a weekly basis or however often you're there, and. The, the man deserves it. Like he's the nicest, like one of the nicest people on earth, friend of the podcast, uh, all around good dude. And the community is jumping on board and getting on, on his side and, and making it so that he's not having to worry as much about medical bills or, you know, uh, problems with, you know, these types of things that come up after his accident. Like it's huge to see. And so I, again, this is another kind of building block on what we're talking about. Give to charity, uh, give to local charities, make sure that your money is going to the charities. Don't donate it giant Eagle so that they get to write it off for their taxes and shit like that. Like go directly to these people, go to GoFundMe pages, do that kind of stuff because these types of corporations that are like, Oh, do you want to donate a dollar or do you want to round up your tip to a, the next dollar at Chipotle? They're getting tax write-offs for this shit. 
Yeah, it's it's important. Um, I think with anything is to educate yourself before you start throwing your money around. But again, if it's a local charity, if it's a local small business, if it's somebody who started a GoFundMe for one of their friends, I mean, you, you see them constantly, especially around around now and especially in, in the pandemic, give as much as you can. I mean, I get the, that money is tight for a lot of people this year and it's yeah, not. Yeah. Um, it, I'm not saying not you have to give your last to, dollar. To, right. It's not an ideal time for a lot of people to, to be giving away a ton of money. If you can, great. If, if not, um, completely understandable in, in the, the climate that we're living. But it's always good to, it, you know, it, it's, it's a good feeling, especially around the holidays, to, to help somebody out. I mean, this is, this is where um, you, you, you see a lot of really cool stories, a lot of, a lot of people um, giving maybe more than, than they, they should or they need to, but, but it's, uh, it's a good, it, it, it all, it's a very heartwarming time of year. Uh, for those those types of stories, I mean, you'll see them on, you know, Good Morning America and ESPN, like all all these different different people who are doing a lot of cool things. Um, you know, Toys for Tots is always one of those big big uh, organizations that that raises a lot of money, raises a lot of toys for for kids in need. Um, and and people people nowadays need a lot of help. So if you can give, give. Um, and that's that's really uh, the bottom line there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now that we've kind of gotten on our soapbox for a little while, uh, Jake, you're drinking a beer. I'm drinking a beer. It's Friday night. This is not a natural occurrence for us. We do not record on Fridays typically. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're drinking. Sure thing. Um, so I'm actually right now I'm drinking, uh, eight Oh five from Firestone Walker, a true standby. One of, one of the, the best, fridge beers that I could ever think of. It's a crowd pleaser. It's, it's something that's light, something that's not high in alcohol, 4.7%. It says right there on the bottle. Um, bottle. I believe that they're, I don't know if they're independently owned. You, you can fact check me, uh, live if, if they aren't, but they, it has that sort of feel, you know, they're, they're, they're a big distribution brewery, right? And they, they're found in Safeway. They're found in, in, you know, the, your local, you know, corner store. They're found in all the targets around here and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird to say that, that you're picking up beer at target. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's still insane to me that Pennsylvania hasn't hasn't like come around to it because um, there are so many so many states now that do that and and it's it just makes it so much more convenient and they would make so much more money. It, it makes absolutely no sense that Pennsylvania has not adopted uh, the same rules as almost every other state or or all of the states that matter. I'll say that. Shout out uh, the states. You know who they are. Um, so 805 is what I'm currently drinking. Previously, I was drinking a beer from a brewery called Original Pattern, which is in Oakland, California. It was a hazy IPA. Really good. I'll probably go back to that once I finish up with this 805. Uh, long week this week, so so I think a couple of beers uh, to, to kind of wind down a little bit is justified. And... Uh, Original Pattern is a brewery that I that I have probably talked about a couple of times, um, but 
it's been a while since I've been there and I, I didn't actually go there to get the beer. I got it from, from my, uh, my local bottle shop. Uh, they make some really good stuff. I remember being there as a really cool kind of atmosphere, you know, really similar to a lot of the places that we like to go kind of, you know, they have like exposed brick and cool, you know, it, all the tables are a little bit different and things. They have a nice, you know, industrial type bar or that type of stuff. Um, Subway tile exposed, everywhere. Yeah. Exposed equipment <laughs> and all that stuff. All the stuff that we typically like to see at these, these different places. Um, I haven't heard much from them. That's, that's one of the places that like, you, if I lived in Oakland, I would, I would make a point of going there cause I've, I've had some of their stuff and it's, it's pretty good. Um, but they don't, they don't seem to do a ton of distribution. I haven't seen them a lot. The, the bottle shop that I go to will typically have a pretty good offering of, of different places from around the Bay area, but it's it's sort of few and far between when it comes to when it comes to bottle shops around here, which is kind of weird because I remember in pretty much every place that I've lived, and I'm, you know I've lived in what four or five different states now at this point, and and bigger cities and things like that. It's typically you, you'll find. I mean, especially nowadays, you'd think that people would be be more willing to open up a bottle shop and and start trying to get in some of these local players because there's money to be made. You know what I mean? Like I, the, the four pack that I bought from original pattern is probably $20. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it's good to see that they're, they're kind of diversifying and stuff. I've seen te, uh, Temescal is another one in, in Oakland that I've seen some beers from. I've gotten some four packs and some individual cans and stuff, but they, you know, they also have the, the big name uh, East Coast breweries, other half. I'm not sure that they they've really had anything crazy from the East Coast, like the Answer or the Vale, uh, those types of places, which I would love to see. Obviously, um, I'm still holding my breath on Great Notion finally getting out and distributing to other states. Have yet to see them anywhere. Have yet to notice any sort of social media posts about them getting into bigger distribution, but, uh, you never know. I mean, with a place like that, that has some of the best beer that I've ever had in my entire life. I am going to jump in there. Um, so great notion will be shipping to PA soon. Shipping to PA. Yeah, that's, I, this is insider. I don't know if it's insider information, but I mean, I've seen, uh, some, some talk about it. Uh, and it's something that, uh, I don't know how regularly they're going to be, they're not going to be distributing, but you could buy it to be shipped to your house. Uh, that's crazy stuff. Um, I, again, there are so many weird laws when it comes to Pennsylvania. Like I would imagine that there's a lot of States that they ship to at this point. Maybe they ship to California and I just haven't really looked into it, which now that you're saying it, I might honestly look up what's going on after the podcast, but we, Definitely need to get that uh, in back in the rotation. Uh, if if I ever get the chance to move to Portland or or get back up there for any sort of extended period of time, I might just buy stock in Great Notion or or <laughs> try to just throw throw my money at them. And I'm talking thousands of dollars worth of money because I need that beer back in my life. Yeah, that's they're they're definitely like a like a top tier. If you get it, you feel like you're getting something special, period. 
Um, I will say you mentioned other half in passing. Uh, that's wild to me that you would even see them out there. But I was drinking. I did have. Um, so Bill went down to uh, the brewery in D.C. the day before Thanksgiving to pick up his bottle allotment because he's in the club this year. And I guess you can you can buy certain like club only releases and stuff like that. And so he has to go down basically like once a quarter. He drives down and picks up his allotment. And uh, other half just opened in D.C. like three months ago, maybe. Or really? Yeah, like a couple months ago. And so he stopped at other half on the way down to the brewery. And so he brought back a couple of four packs. And we we all split like one can each type of thing. And so I cracked open today the, let me make sure I'm saying this right. It is the double dry hopped triple forever citra. It's a Imperial IPA, uh, 10%, like triple, right? And it's definitely that other half beer. You know what I mean? Like it's super soft, not a whole lot of alcohol content, doesn't taste boozy, but it's definitely not one that you need more than like two of at a time. <laughs> um, if you're really trying to get hammered, have a four pack of it and crush it, but it sneaks up on you. Cause like, that's far too much alcohol. Yeah. Um, and, th- and then, of course, Sarah, I, I told Sarah to put a uh, bottle in the fridge for me, and she grabbed Double Mex 2020 from Brew Gentleman, um, which is what I am currently sipping on because it's been sitting in my fridge for about four days now. I think it was a Sunday. I was like, I need a beer after this weekend at work. And so she put that in, and so I let it sit because I was like, eh, maybe I don't need to dome an entire... 750 milliliter bottle of Imperial stout. And then it got to Friday. I'm off tomorrow. I'm thinking, you know what? I need a good kick in the ass and double Mex always delivers. I I can't say enough about this beer. This year's is a little bit heavy on the cinnamon right now. So it might be worth to sit on it for like six months. Let it kind of mellow out a little bit, but man, is it like, it's just killer. It's uh, they aged it in rye whiskey barrels this year. Um, it's an imperial oatmeal stout with coffee, cinnamon, and vanilla. Came in at nine point nine percent, so not super heavy for a, a double imperial stout. But it's it pours like freaking motor oil. It drinks just as easily as a Guinness, but it has a ton of flavor. What would you say the mouthfeel is like? I mean, I would say it's a little bit hot because of the cinnamon. Um, okay. But it's a little thinner than years past. Uh, and I don't mean negatively. I just mean that that's, that's what it is. Uh, I'm letting it warm up right now. So I'm trying to kind of talk through hearing, you know, th- talk through the temperature variation because it has been in the fridge for a couple of days. But I'm the type, and, and this is something I do want to talk to you about. Because this is something that's come up on our social media before. Um, Pittsburgh Beer Dad asked about how long you let a stout sit out to drink it at proper temperature, right? Uh, and that's something that it varies based on the beer, right? So that's why I'm drinking it currently, but also kind of trying to take my time with it to let it get to room temperature a little bit closer and, and really figure out what the full flavor is. So double mechs this year is phenomenal. I'd say maybe give it till Christmas, 
New Year's, hell, Valentine's Day, probably wouldn't be too bad. Um, I'm glad I got two bottles of it this year. So I'm, I'm excited to try that one maybe up against, uh, I have an old bottle of 2018, I think, left. And I want to try both of them like side by side to see what, what happens there. But yeah, it's always an interesting conversation. We, we get into this quite a bit is how long you should hold it, you know? And, and I think that if they give recommendations, obviously you should follow them, but I can't imagine they're going to release a beer that isn't ready to drink. No, no, no. And I, I think and you're, you're very right in saying that because this one does not say drink fresh on it. Like all the voodoo bottles do. And people hold on to voodoo bottles for years. Oh, I'm sorry. It does. Never mind. I just found it. It says best consumed fresh. Um, yeah. And see, <laughs> I, I get, I understand, I guess people who, who, you know, I'm not going to tell people how to, how to handle whatever it is that they spend their money on, but I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy who wants to, to tell a brewer or, or through my actions, tell a brewer that I know, how your beer is going to hold up better than you do. Yeah. I think that's an insane way to look at it. It's something that I, I don't really understand. And, and it really goes back to the time that I was working in, in the winery. I worked in the winery or at a winery for six years from the time that I was 17 to the time that I was 23, right? Right. As I was about to leave, uh, the city of Pittsburgh to, to go get my first, uh, first job, first real job. I'll say first, not first that it isn't a real job. job working. Yeah. First big boy job. And the, the owner who has since passed away, RIP, uh, rest, rest in peace, rest in peace. Um, great man. Love, I love that guy to death. Uh, you know, he would, he would give you the shirt off his back. That type of guy. He said that he doesn't have a wine cellar because, why would I hold on to anything? Why would I keep something from 95 or, or you know, 90, 85, 80, all of these? And, and I've, I've gotten into some of these, these documentaries that I've found on Netflix, and, and I'll see uh, wine is actually a huge thing in, in popular culture, but especially with athletes, among athletes, uh, the NBA in particular, where... They are massive collectors. Some of them own wineries at this point. Some of them make their own wine. Uh, not make their own wine themselves, but they, they own, own a winery or, or you know, uh, do a collaboration with someone who, who does own a winery, stuff like that. And I, I always see, and, and I understand that you know, if, you're, if you're keeping it at the right temperature and you're keeping it at the right conditions, that you know, it's, it can be enjoyable if you're trying something from, you know, the seventies or the sixties, even depending on, on the type of wine it is, where it's from all of the stuff. And, and it's this thing that it's almost like a, it's the status symbol almost. But at the same time, what happens when the, the oxidation has occurred, the, the cork broke or, you know, it, it was letting in air for the last 40 years. Then you spent money on a $2,000 bottle of wine and you thought it was going to be the, the best experience of your life. It turned out to be the, the worst thing you've ever had because it tasted like vinegar or something worse than that. It's, 
I understand it. I think from both sides, um, you know, if, if it does hold well, that's the thing from, from the brewer's perspective, how do you know? I mean, unless you've done it yourself with, you know, what you're deeming as similar type brews, um, if you've held onto it for two, three, four years, perhaps, um, and you've tried it and it's been, it's turned out incredible. It's just this huge risk. And yeah, but uh, and it's not you know, and beer is not one of those things that you're spending again thousands of dollars, right? If you buy a bottle for for twenty dollars, twenty five dollars, thirty dollars, whatever it is, and you hold on to it for a couple of years, and and uh, you know, I've spent I've spent thirty dollars on a bunch of garbage that I ended up not using after you know more than a couple of years or more than like six months sometimes. Yeah, yeah. so I get it, I understand uh, why you'd want to do that, but. It's a risk. I mean, it is a risk. You you want to try it when when the brewer tells you to try it. I mean, it's it's you know they're they're the people, and and I will always respect someone like that's opinion. And you know, and we can we can talk to people like Trevor. We can talk to people who have been in the industry, and they they sort of understand or or they they understand the risks involved. I'm sure in in holding something for so long, but I. I've never held on to anything for more than, you know, mostly because I don't have the, the access to something that could keep it at the right temperature and, and, and all of that, right? If you, if you have a cellar and you live in a house and you have a 30-year mortgage or something, damn, I would fucking love that right now. I mean, if I could do that, I, I would be stocking up on California wines right now. I'd be keeping them at, at, you know, 55 degrees, ready to go for whenever I have some parties to throw. Uh, same thing with some, some local beers. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people that are doing the, the yearly type stouts and they're aging them and stuff like that. I mean, I would give it a shot for sure. If I had the opportunity, I don't have the opportunity, so I've never really done it myself, but, uh, there's inherent risk of all involved. And, uh, hopefully people are enjoying the beer when they should be enjoyed because that's what the brewer meant. Yeah. And I think, uh, so I'm kind of the, uh, I, I don't know. I, I want to say the doubting Thomas about this type of stuff where I doubt that the brewer is ever going to say, no, just, just hold on to it for a couple more years. It'll be fine. These guys put in years of work to, to craft these barrel aged big boys. You know what I mean? Like this, this type of stuff, like voodoo, is the prime example because they are world renowned. They are one of the biggest, uh, cellaring or, uh, barrel aging, uh, programs in on the East coast. Let's say, I mean, Pennsylvania is not really East coast, but whatever. So to say that they don't know, I, I I'm pretty sure the people that buy this beer and don't drink it right away are not buying it to drink later. They're buying it to sell later. And I think that you see a lot more of that going on than a lot more of people buying it for the enjoyment of beer. And I think that is where you kind of have to have that disparity of, is it worth me drinking it now or what I can get for it in three months when there are only a hundred bottles left instead of the 500 that they made or whenever there's 20 bottles left when they made a hundred, like that kind of thing. So there's a, there's a give and take there that I don't necessarily agree with because honestly, if I'm buying a beer, I'm buying it with intent to drink it or share it or 
take it to a, a party where I can say, hey, you know what? I was one of the few that got this beer and I want to, to share it with this group of people or, you know, that kind of thing. Obviously, beer shares are not happening right now. Bottle shares, festivals, blah, 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 down the list. This shit is not going on right now. But Voodoo is releasing a barrel room collection every two weeks, three weeks, a month. And it's not a beer that you're going to drink by yourself typically. Like, it's just not. You're talking about 15, 20% stouts or barley wines or whatever. And you want, and they're, they're 750 milliliters. I mean, this bottle is bigger than my fucking head, but you know what I'm doing? I'm drinking it because I felt like it. Uh, but the thing is, there's not a lot of room for the brewer to say, Hey, you know what? Maybe hold on to it for a couple of years. See what happens. Like, no, they're, they're the ones that are saying, you know what? This beer is perfect the way that I want it right now. You should be trusting that. And I think that we've, we're both on the same side with this one, but I also see the, the allure of holding on to something when you get two bottles of it and you're like, ah, eh, you know what? I'll drink one now and then I'll try it maybe a year down the road or, or try to get a couple of them in a row and drink them all next to each other and see what happens. Like, there's no harm in that because again, like you said, it comes down to the monetary value of what you're drinking, right? You're, you're talking about a $25 bottle and having a good Friday night, or you're talking about getting, you know, six or seven of your best friends together and sharing this beer, getting, you know, maybe four ounces of it or five ounces of it, whatever it is, and maybe not getting an entire experience out of it. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something to be said about the bottle share, but there's also something to be said about fully appreciating what the product is. So every once in a while, I like to throw back an entire bottle of something and not share it. And it's mostly ones that I have doubles of because I want to know what this beer tastes like. I want to know what I have and it makes it easier to get rid of the second bottle if it's not something I enjoy. Or uh, maybe I, I find something that I want to trade and I, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think this, this goes back to something that we talked about. I, I'm not sure how long ago. It's been, it's been a handful of months. I feel like the days start to bleed together during the pandemic. Sure. But I, I just don't, I, I don't understand, I guess, the, 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 the trying to flex when it comes to, to beer, right? It's not, it's not a collectible thing, right? It's not, you know, there are people who have very, like, incredible collections of wine and things like that that generally, I would say, hold better for longer periods of time. I mean, that's just sort of been proven. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that I've ever heard somebody say that they held on to a beer for, for 20 years, and it tasted better after 20 years. No, I, I can agree. I think the only and one that comes nor to Nor do mind, I think that any beers that are being brewed right now are going to be better in 2040. But there, there are certain, you know, I guess depending on how it was brewed, I mean, I, I would love to get sort of schooled by, by somebody who has a little bit more knowledge in, in exactly how beer fermentation and wine fermentation differs in, in that wine holds better over longer periods of time, right? But at the same time, do you remember all the beers that you had in 2015? No. Aside from the fact that you have them logged and untapped, 
and that you have a specific memory associated with them based on a caption or a picture or, or, you know, a, a time that you spent with people that you remember. And maybe that's, maybe that's really the part of it is, is the, the sort of camaraderie that it kind of creates. And especially with you being a part of all these different beer groups and going to these bottle shares and, and, um, drinking line beers, for example, in the past, you know, handful of years, um, you know, maybe that's why people think, and again, I think it's probably skewed. Like when you're having it with a bunch of friends, like, do you think that the beer tastes better than when you're just drinking it by yourself? Yeah, I think that's a, an absolute accurate statement. Um, one thing I will say, uh, there was a celebration this week of one of the beers that is part of that. Hey, let it sit for a while. You know, the, the brewer says, this is going to be good now, or it's going to be good 10 years from now. And that's Dogfish Head 120. They had a whole big day, right? It was 120, 120 on uh, December 1st. So it was 120. So 120, 120. They had a big celebration about Dogfish Head 120 minute. And that's a beer that on the bottle... It says, drink now or drink in 10 years. Like, you can let it sit. It'll age well. It's going to change a little bit, and you'll still enjoy it 10 years down the road. So I know that wine is a very specific and very um, studied, let's say, um, fermentation process. It's a very intense uh, core group of people that enjoy that. And, you know, there's, there's something to be said about that, but beer is so new in the current culture that you can't really put it up against wine. I think that's two different conversations. It's tough because I think that if you look at the history of both types of alcohol, they probably came about, you know, in similar time periods, right? Like beer has been made for for you know thousands of years, I'm sure. Yeah. As has wine. It's just it, again, it's it's a different it's a different process. It's a different different way of producing it. And I think that um, you know because of the carbonation, clearly that's not going to hold up as well as as wine, which in most cases is not carbonated unless you're, you're drinking something like champagne or Prosecco or whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I feel like as a, as a chemical engineer by study, uh, slight flex. <laughs> Thank you. Scientist. I would know, I would know maybe a little bit more about that or, or maybe I should read up on, on things like that to, to speak, I guess, more, uh, intelligently on it. But well, and the last thing I'm saying is, age a hazy IPA for, you know, six years or something like that's super weird. Don't do that. But the, uh, the other side of that is there are beers that you can let sit, you know, um, there's, you know, Frambois and, you know, um, let's say like, uh, some of these like Creek beers, like uh, cascade, right. Cascades, a, a well-known sour brewery. 
I, I'm pretty sure you could probably sit on a bottle of that. Like there's uh, Brett beers and stuff like that. Like there's different types that you probably can get away with aging. I have a beer under my bar right now that I got for my wedding. We've been married five years and I'm not afraid to let it sit there for another couple of years because it's a Brett ale and it's going to change over time. And I, I'm kind of excited to try it because it's night shift and night shift is awesome. But it's one of those things that I'm not worried about that one sitting there because of the type of beer it is. I'm, I'm more worried about, I have a, and I just found this because I was like rooting through the cellar. I found a bottle of Robert the Bruce from three Floyd's that's been sitting under my bar for like three or four years. And it's probably not good, uh, <laughs> but I'm probably going to pop it open and try it because who the fuck knows. Right. But I get what you're saying. Wine has a very tested and the fermentation style is different. And there's a very specific uh, palette that you have to appreciate it. And there's a lot of different stuff going on. Right. Yeah. And I think that they're, they're comparable, definitely comparable. And I think over the next, you know, couple of decades, you'll, you'll start to see beer becoming, I, I would say in the same viewed in the same light for lack of a better word or term. Um, and it, clearly beer, you know, I, I, I'd want to see statistics on, on popularity when it comes to that. Um, but even out here, I mean, wine is so readily available, right? You have Napa Valley, you have Sonoma, all these, these massive wine generating regions in the U S here. Um, but there are breweries popping up, you know, one by one out here. I mean, you have the well, the really well established ones like Russian river and Lagunitas and all these, these different places. It's, uh, it's cool to kind of see it gain popularity, at least from a craft level, right? I mean, beer has been a, a mainstay in American culture for for decades and generations, really. Um, but now it's it's so much more, uh, or, or it's it's starting to head in the in the right direction, at least how I see it. In that it's it's getting into these craft places, it's getting back back toward, I guess pre-prohibition type levels of small places that make their own beer. Yeah. And, um, you know, at, at the same time, it's good to see some of the, the people who are really successful start expanding, right? I mean, we've seen a bunch of cases of that in, in the Northeast and, and even out here a little bit. You're talking about other half moving to D.C., I mean, people are opening lo- new locations all over the place constantly. Yeah. And people are shipping a lot more places readily. Um, I know we get, you know, in Pittsburgh, you can order uh, Equilibrium from New York. You can order, uh, like, uh, well, uh, the big news that I saw the week of Thanksgiving was uh, Trillium is now shipping within New England. Or not New England, I'm sorry, in Massachusetts, specifically. But... They're shipping beer. Like, I never in a million years thought that you'd be able to ship a, a trillion beer legally, right? Uh, but it's one of those things that, and I've heard, again, from just listening to podcasts and watching TV and things like that, everybody is, is 
this this new type of innovation that that the pandemic is forcing people to get into is going to be good for a lot of different people, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's going to force governments to say, hey, you know, we need to support these these local businesses. They they generate a lot of revenue for us in in taxes and in whatever it is. We need to support them in any way that we can. And I hope eventually we get to a point where you can ship beer and and wine and all types of liquor across the country without any issues whatsoever. Right? And I think hopefully. So to piggyback off of that, I think that what you're seeing now is the private shippers are benefiting from this, right? So UPS, FedEx, DHL, like those types of guys are benefiting. I don't see why it's such an issue with the postal service, right? Everybody has access to a post office and everybody has access to buying stamps. Why the hell aren't they jumping on this? I mean, I understand that they're probably one of the biggest revenue generators for the government because they are a government entity, but there's not a lot that says to me, this makes sense. Let's not do anything with alcohol or anything with liquids in general. Really? I mean, you, you can ship shampoo across the, the country, but when it comes to, you know, uh, a dram of whiskey, nope, that's illegal. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, there needs to be some regulation. I, I, I agree with that to a certain extent. But, I mean, it, it's, it's, I think it's hampering people's ability to, I mean, especially within Pennsylvania, and I'm sure that there are a bunch of other states that kind of are following the same template when it comes to, to liquor laws. It, it, it's preventing, I think, small businesses from really continuing to expand and continuing to, to get their product out to as many people as they want to. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that will change with time. And, and again, especially as the pandemic is hitting, well, people, are, people need to start making uh, you know, changes to the way that they do things. And I think uh, that's, that's one of the, the areas that I think can improve significantly when it comes to, I don't know, government oversight, I guess. So I want to I ask you something along those lines. So due to the, and I'm not sure how to word this because it, it just popped into my head. So due to the situation, right? Travel is basically at a standstill. Let's say you're, you're traveling for emergencies. You're traveling for work. If you have to, that kind of thing. Tourism, right? Is a huge factor for some of these more established, maybe better known places in that vein. Do you think that it's forcing these breweries to get into the shipping game. If I'm being specific, let's talk about Trillium, right? There's no reason for them to push the beer out of the brewery if people are coming to them, right? That's the idea behind this. But now that tourism is gone, now that there's there's no, oh, I'm going to drive from New York up to uh, you know, Massachusetts to check out these breweries. Now, there's you have to get this beer to people, right? Um, Dancing Gnome, for example, 
I, you could never imagine buying a four pack of dancing Num cans outside of the brewery, say a year ago, even right. Or, or a year and a half ago, let's say just to be completely beyond this whole thing. Right. So now you can walk into Hal's bottle shop right over the hill from me or Creekside up in Swickley. Like they're, they're not selling enough out of the brewery because people are not traveling to the brewery. Right. So that's, that's obviously got to be some kind of cause and effect there. Do you think yeah, that that's I, a, I would a wonder, reasonable? I wonder how granular they would get with, with, you know, how they're crunching their numbers and, and how they're determining specifically that, that tourism is attributing X amount. Right. I think it's, it would be interesting to see how much they're selling, you know, how many people are going to Trillium to get a beer because we just got off work on a Thursday or a Friday, as opposed to people who are legitimately going out of their way to buy cans from Trillium, right, or, or these bigger places. I think that there's probably a decent portion of their business that is people who are you know, out and about looking for things to do. And they say, Hey, you know, they call up one of their friends. Hey, what should we do? We're around, uh, you know, we're in the seaport area, Boston. Oh, go to Trillium. It's a great brewery. Awesome. You know, how much of that is due to, you know, just kind of being out and about and being around doing, doing those types of things. Whereas that's no longer available versus, you know, are they losing out on all of the business that they could possibly be getting, right? How many people that are would have been going to them are now ordering cans because they're at home and they want beer? I'm not sure if I'm if that's coming across the way that I need it to, but you know, how does it equate, right? Do do you think that they're getting the same amount of business through shipping as they are as they normally would be. I doubt it, right? No, I mean, yeah, I can't of, imagine that's a lot of revenue equivalent. for for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of places, especially like when you think about the restaurant industry, is a great is obviously the the perfect example that you know most people most of their business probably came from people who were eating in, right, and not doing a lot of 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 um, delivery type type options. And and again, I think people are continuing to innovate, continuing to, to make these decisions that, that they have to make because otherwise you're not going to be around much longer. But I think I'm sure that Trillium was going down that path eventually, right? They're, they're, they're expanding to a level that you almost feel like they're going to start getting into distribution, you know, at least within the next couple of years, but this is maybe sort of fast tracking that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think and, you see that in a lot of industries, but but especially the service industry, being that, like you said, now it's it's forced takeout or forced uh, delivery options, things like that, where they they have been doing home delivery in like close areas around the breweries, but now the shipping option makes it more accessible to people further out and just as quickly, right? Like you could do same day or overnight delivery, that kind of thing. You know, it's obviously a dependent on cost, but I think the biggest hurt that you see is like the people that work there daily who are pouring the beer for you or the, the restaurants who are, are they're basing their wages 
for the servers and stuff like that on people coming into that business, sitting down for an hour and a half, having a meal and a couple of drinks and tipping 25% or 20%, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. Right. And so you have to make up that margin somehow and you want to keep as many people on as you can. Right. And it comes back to what we started this podcast talking about is supporting your local guys and, and, or, you know, your local people. And there's not a lot of wiggle room because you're building this product that maybe doesn't have the biggest overhead, but it also doesn't have the biggest margin. And that's, that's where you, you need to be, you know, your, your weekly stash needs to be reloaded and, you're buying from the same people over and over again, and you're you're going back to the same places, and and you're you're supporting these guys, but at the same time, they're still they're still struggling to keep people on the payroll. So yeah. you have to you have to do whatever it takes to keep that flow going. And one thing that you can do is get beer to more people. And in the simplest form is to just expand how you reach people. Yeah, and it's it's sort of easier said than done. Uh, for most most places, right? I mean, uh, pe- people that had opened up, you know, just before the pandemic, or or really within a year of when the pandemic started. So so in, in I guess twenty nineteen, yeah, probably are are like scrambling at this point. And you know, maybe Trillium isn't isn't the best case study for you know how people are handling things because they had the infrastructure already. They had multiple locations before this whole thing hit. And again, maybe that took a little bit more effort on their part to decide that, hey, we need to focus our efforts in these specific areas to continue to selling the beer that we're making to, to as many people as possible. Um, but they're not the ones who we should really be worried about or really be talking about. I mean, obviously, we're still going to, you know, patronize them and and give them our money those those types of places yeah yeah but it's so much more critical for the the stick cities of the world and the couch uh, in my in my neck of the woods yeah couch uh camino is is a good one that's right up the street from me you know maybe i'm not absolutely thrilled about some of the stuff that they're making. And, and again, I mean, you're going to go to some places, you're not going to find the best beer that you've ever had, but I like having options. Everybody likes having those types of options. And if it means, you know, I don't want to say suffering through a four pack of something. It's like, Hey, you know, keep giving these guys a shot right now because they need it so much more than some of these other people. Right. The, the Firestone Walkers of the world, they don't give a shit probably about the pandemic. They're probably selling just as much beer or, or even more than they normally would. Yeah. Maybe not so much on site, but through distribution. I mean, Jesus Christ, they're probably putting out even more than they have in the past. Absolutely. Um, so it's, it's so much more important for you to, to support your original patterns, your Temescals, your, you know... Uh, every other sort of local type place and, and their brewers are popping up all over the place. And, and the, the thing that sucks about this is that we're going to start seeing places close. Yeah. And no, in the next six to eight months here, we're going to have probably more discussions than we want to have about people who are closing down their doors. And I hope that those people have 
you know, opportunities to revamp their business or restart it post pandemic, but it's difficult. I mean, running a small business is not easy. And we've, we've talked to, we have a friend, Nikki, who came on the podcast very early on, who's talked about it. It's, it's not an easy thing at all to run a small business right now. And, uh, it's like obviously during the pandemic, even before that it's tough, right? I mean, you're, you're pinching pennies wherever you can just to, just to stay alive and, and get to the point where you become one of these bigger players. You become a Sierra Nevada over time after 15, 20, 30 years, like a place like Sam Adams or something would. Yeah. And again, I mean, we can't say it enough. You need to support these places and, I hope that we've started outlining the reasons why and people start to really do the research into, hey, you know, this is a place that you don't want to lose these types of places. And this, this is a problem that's been going on with, you know, I don't really want to start diving into to too many of these things, but you look at like something like gentrification. That, that is removing so much of the character that's found in these neighborhoods and all of these big cities that you know, this is almost like fast tracking something like that in that as soon as all of these small businesses go, right, you're going to start seeing more Starbucks pop up, more Chipotle's pop up, more, you know, places that probably shouldn't be and are not adding necessarily value to the neighborhoods that you live in. Right. right. And that's why it's so important. If you can get out, give money to your local pizza shop, tip a little bit extra so that these people can stay employed. And it's not even just the businesses themselves. It's the people that they are employing. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're your friends. They're your neighbors. They're the people that you see on the street, hang out with. And the people that ultimately when this pandemic is over, you're going to say hello to when you walk into a brewery, sit down at the bar and give them an opportunity to tell them about their products. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't have said it better. Honestly, you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there. Um, I mean, you're talking about like your, your local barber versus like great clips or sport clips or whatever the fuck you, you know, that that kind of stuff that, that you maybe don't think about, but there's so much that you can do to keep away from the big box stores and like going to Walmart for your groceries and your, uh, you know, shaving cream and your, uh, you know, weed whacker. Uh, like that kind of stuff, you know, like there's, there's local places that you can support for anything. And the, the, the moral of this episode is that we, we really kind of took what we see in the beer community and made it a little bit bigger. But at the same time, like you said, there's, there's breweries out there that are just barely hanging on. And there are ones that are going to be gone, period. That's the end of the story there. There there are people that are going to lose their jobs, lose their investments, lose their small business that they started during this. And it's it's shitty. It's terrible. But there are ways to avoid it, right? If you, like me, I, so one of the things that I didn't do this weekend and I'm going to coming into the next week is... Um, the couch brewery blackout 2020, right? They do the blackout event every year. And this year was the first year they lined it up with black Friday, which sucks. I'm, I, 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 I can't stand it. 
I hate that Black Friday is officially like Stout Day for America because I can't enjoy it because I work. All in you want to do is get drunk off your ass on dark beer, and you can't do it. Right? You work in retail. You you can't do it I mean, until you get out of retail. If I'm being honest, Stout, it's always season. But the cool thing is, so Couch, I've been to the Blackout Festival that they do the past two years. This year, I didn't go, couldn't go, because I worked that weekend. But they have a mixed six-pack of all the stouts still up on their website today, which is Friday the 4th. And if you don't support that, like, I, I mean, if you've ever been to Couch, you understand that these people are busting their ass at their regular ass job all day. And then they come to the brewery and bust their ass at the brewery to make it a great experience for you. That's in and of itself worth investing in. So buying the six pack of stouts that they offered this year for 30 bucks seems like a fucking steal because blackout is one of the most fun things that I've ever done. They always have like the neon lights going and they got bingo and like, all it's like couch is super silly, but I love those guys. And honestly, they do some great marketing. They have some very cool can art. They're one of my favorite breweries in the city that nobody gets hyped about. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that they are a diamond in the rough and nobody knows that they exist and I love it that way because I like to walk in there when there's nobody there and sit down and BS with the bartenders and know the brewers. And it's just a super fun place. So yes, I'm as soon as this podcast ends, as soon as we're, we hit stop on the recording, I'm going to buy a six pack of stouts from couch and I'm going to figure out a way to get there tomorrow to pick it up. But blackout is one of my favorite events of the year. Um, they do a great job with it. They did an awesome job last year. You had like, they had people lined up out the door last year and it was fucking freezing and people are standing in line. Like, no problem. This is cool. I'm fine with it. I mean, people were kind of irritated because it was a lot longer line than you're used to at couch. But at the same time, they had some great fucking beers. I got to try all of them. I got to meet Pittsburgh Beer Dad. Uh, it was a great time. It was just a fun event. And Sarah was there with me, and she hates stouts. Not hates them, but she doesn't drink them normally. And she loved it. She was having a great time. We had, uh, I forget what the food, I think it was uh, Pita My Shawarma was there last year, the food truck. And their fucking food is incredible. But regardless, that I, I, I really just needed to go on a diatribe about Stout's Blackout, or I'm sorry, Couch's Blackout Day, because it's a super fun event, and I'm really pissed that I didn't get to enjoy it this year. So, and to out- expand on that a little bit is to find those types of events that are still happening yeah. in your area, wherever it is that you're listening to this. There are things happening all over the place. People are making... So, like people are putting in so much effort to continue creating a cool environment or creating some sort of you know virtual events. I mean, we talk about uh, the Cheers Inns Fest that we that we all participated in at the beginning of the podcast. It's those types of things that are 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 like keeping us sane during these crazy times. Go out, find them. Do your research, educate yourself, find something cool to do, something fun to do, and 
it's always a good opportunity to support your local business. I do want to say with Cheersians too, they did do, they did do a lot to give back to the breweries that were involved too. Do so, we have the statistics of money raised? Uh, you know, people helped. Who was it that they actually did this to? We need to get Ryan back on the podcast here to to kind of. Uh, you know, give us a lowdown on exactly what happened, how much money they raised, that type of stuff. I mean, we want to, we really want to champion him, uh, the whole fueled by hops group, everything associated with that. All the people who participated in it, all of the presenters, all the people who paid paid money to to join the festival, all really cool stuff. Yeah, it was uh, so. I do want to say I don't know an exact number, but I do know that fueled by hops is about. 3,300 members strong at this point. And they raised a significant amount of money as, uh, as I talked to Ryan after the event, um, he did say that there was a significant amount of money that was raised for the local breweries. And what was cool was some of the bigger ones that were involved were donating on top of what, people were buying in for. So like, uh, I, I, I don't know specifically who, but I know that he said that a lot of these breweries that were like, yeah, we want to be a part of it. He said, okay, well, we're going to give you a kickback of sales of tickets and all that. And they were like, no, give it to somebody else. Like a lot of these places denied the donation so that other people could have it. And that's fucking awesome. And it, I don't know if it's still available for uh, like to to rewatch or to to see, but there were some great portions of that um, online for like to view later on. I don't know if they put it up on YouTube or anything like that, but like the diversity council was awesome. Both of the uh, both of the, the keynote, keynote speakers, speakers were, were phenomenal. Yeah, um, it was really interesting to see like a, a female perspective, a person of color perspective, like that kind of stuff was just, I, I feel like it was just a great event and it should have been bigger period. Like at, at the end of the day, I don't care how big it was. It definitely should have been bigger. Um, but yeah. And I, I, I wonder how, how frequent that will become, you know, if, if it becomes a yearly thing, if it becomes something that we can participate in, in person would, would be incredible. Um, that was kind of the idea, honestly, like whenever, um, Ryan first approached me about fueled fest, because that's what fueled fest became was Cheersians fest. So fueled fest was initially going to be a celebration of craft beer with a beer festival as like the, the pinnacle of the event. Right. So we were going to do like an on-site podcast with all of the Pittsburgh podcasts and hop culture was going to be involved and blah, blah, blah. But I, I really think that we like Ryan is doing it the right way. And one of the biggest things about that community is that they are super focused on no negativity period. Like, they will delete your post if it's political. They'll de- they'll delete your post if it's bashing a brewery. Not that it happens all that often, but it's one of those things that I follow along in the Facebook group pretty readily because it's such a great community. But I'll post stuff and people will immediately like, you know, love whatever like the reactions and all that. 
and people are commenting. Everybody's, you know, very positive. The the whole thing is really just building up the industry from some dude's coffee table. Like that's where it started was Ryan was like, you know what? I'm drinking a beer. I wonder what my friends are drinking. And he started fueled by hops and it's a, it's an amazing community. But as we're winding down this episode, uh, Jake, I think, uh, I think we kept it pretty on topic for beers this week. We didn't talk about like uh, the bachelor or the masked singer. Uh, so I think that was a, a pasta win. shapes. Although I do love the pasta shapes. Uh, it's good to, to keep it coherent. Um, I think, <laughs> I think moving forward, I would love to start highlighting places that um, could use the help. Right. Yeah. Uh, not that, not that we're, <laughs> For a nationwide, uh, that we have a nationwide audience or anything like that, but there are opportunities for you to support, you know, maybe not so much your, like, obviously we want you to support your local places, but there's a lot of small businesses all over the country that need help right now. And I think, you know, uh, spotlighting some of those would be a good idea. Um, especially with the holidays coming up. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to move forward here over the next few weeks and I think start getting into, you know, our, our holiday type ales, our, uh, our recaps you know, perhaps, of the year, perhaps a, uh, right. Perhaps a, a taste test. Uh, we'll do some recaps, right? I had, I had a huge gap there where I wasn't participating, but you know, throughout the year I've been, uh, you know, getting around and seeing as much as I can. And I think it's, uh, it'll be a good next few weeks here. Um, as much as we can, we'll be giving you. Uh, the content that you're always searching for. Yeah. Um, you tune into the weekly recap. Big shout out to Ryan for adding us to the fueled by hops family. This couple of this past couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if you've noticed Jake, but we've gotten a lot more listens because we are linked on fueled by hops blog now. Uh, so go check those guys out. It's fueled by hops.com. They are, Really, like like I said throughout this episode, they're doing some great things. Uh, their blog posts are super interesting, and they're all nationwide. They, he has a team of people writing for him now. And, like, this is something that I love to be a part of, and I, I appreciate that Ryan is such a good friend to let us be a part of it. <laughs> um, so really want to give a, a, a big shout-out to the Field by Hops community. Um Thank you guys for following along. Thank you for listening. There's been a big uptick in listens the past couple of episodes, so we definitely appreciate it. We're going to try to keep the content rolling in here uh, as consistently as possible. Again, the holidays are tough for me, so I'm going to try to make it so that we have an episode up every week, but I can't guarantee it. I apologize in advance for that and posthumously because we've missed the past couple of weeks. But uh, again, there's... So much going on in the beer world. Support your local guys. Thank you again for listening. Um, that's all I got. You got anything else, Jake? No, I think I'm all set. Um, again, thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, we'll hopefully be giving you some good content over the next few weeks. All right. We're going to raise a glass here and we're going to say, as we always do, cheers. And welcome to the end of the podcast. You made it this far, so why not go and follow us on social media? At the Weekly Recap on Instagram. 
at the weekly recap one on Twitter or email us at the weekly recap one at gmail.com. 